0: Welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Spoiler alert, today's guest is not a boomer, not nearly a boomer. She is a woman, however, going through experiences many women can identify with, and she incorporates humor in the telling. Infertility. It's either more common these days or more talked about than in the past, and my guest may be able to address that. Merav Zuer, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Today, our chat's going to be multifaceted, infertility, creativity, humor, and I made a management decision and decided to start with humor. Was that always a part of your life or has it developed over the years?
1: Um, I don't think, you know, it was anything ever, you know, consciously uh you know this conscious decision I made but uh in retrospect yeah I think it was always it's always been something I've gravitated to. It's always more fun to laugh <laughs> than to you know than not. <laughs> so um I've always, you know, always in like awkward situations, humor, awkward silences, humor, uh, you know, uh dealing with stuff, finding the humor. It's it's always that. It's always you know my go-to movie genre, my go-to, you know, anything. So, yeah.
0: Well, and I think you just answered my next question because I was going to ask if you were the funny one or if you are just that person who can find humor in a situation.
1: I don't know if I'm the funny one. Um, it depends, <laughs> I guess, which group of friends because not at all situations I'm, you know, the funny one. But, um, but yeah, I try. I mean, I'm not trying to be like, you know, the class clown and I wasn't the class clown. Um, but I... There are times when I'm just like, if it's there, I I, I want to kind of rel- relish in it.
0: <laughs> I, I call it taking um, advantage of an opportune situation. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of the same way. Now, how about creativity? Does that go hand in hand with humor? Uh, or are you just generally a creative
1: person? I think creativity uh, does go hand in hand with humor, even though there are people that are like, proper comics by profession and might not call themselves creative but I do think it, it, there's a lot of creativity involved in there um and you know comedians that's an art form in itself and I know for many people it doesn't look like it but thinking of you know even jokes it, the way that you think about it create it phrase it it's all artistry So I think it's all tied into creativity and yeah. And creativity itself is something that uh, it's also a tool. So it's, it's very useful, even if you're not, you know, a lot of people think creativity art. Oh no, I don't do art. I'm not creative, but creativity is not necessarily art. Um, It's in a lot of, a lot of things. So it's
0: interesting you say that because I personally love the concept of creativity. And amongst, I know my friends and I've worked in elder care. If you mention creative arts, for example, people say, I'm not creative. And I must admit, I'm just as bad. I love music, but I can't sing. Uh, you know, I love art. Couldn't draw a straight line if my life depended on it. Put me on stage and my mind's going to go blank. But I know just even seeing uh, interviews, like on TV or on in a movie or something a documentary of comedians yes that is absolutely an art form and listening to the way they talk about you know whether it's creating their storyline or adapting it because given the audience it's falling flat or ad lib you know all that stuff it's it's fast brain and a lot of creativity
1: yeah it's basically <clears throat> um you know kind of um finding solutions and opportunities um like instantaneously like a constant you know kind of like a constant way of moving forward and so creativity is kind of a tool that lets you do that um in in different forms whether it's you know for some sort of you know mental or or spiritual peace to uh solving a problem you know it's it's everything
0: yeah yeah and i mean i've just finished sort of confessing that i don't have a creative bone in my body. And yet 10, 15 years ago, I sat down in front of a computer with a couple of certain programs and it's like, I love creating now on, on the computer, you know, it's so you just have to find your vehicle perhaps.
1: Right. Creativity is not necessarily creating a masterpiece on paper with a pencil. It's so, it's so beyond that. Um, And I think a lot of people, even if they're not going to go into artistry as a profession, they're still going to be able to use creativity even in their daily lives, not even necessarily professionally. So creativity is helpful for a lot of things.
0: Well, and as you say, even problem solving,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know, you think outside the box, you think you're thinking outside of.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's creativity. Problem solving is creativity. It's just, you know, um, it's not necessarily the immediate association most people have with creativity, but that's what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to slide over now to, the main subject, I guess, that we're, sure. or the, I guess the, the foundation, uh, the, the fun and creativity are, are part and parcel. It's a subject that uh, people don't usually find funny. Uh, if you create humor around it, it can fall flat. Um, do you, Infertility is obviously where we're going. Are you comfortable starting with your own story? Sure.
1: Uh, And I want to add to that. Not only can it fall flat if you, you know, uh, um, put creativity, uh, you know, humor to uh, uh, infertility, but it could also be offensive (laughs) to many people. It is anything but funny. My personal story. um, So professionally, I'm an actor. uh, I'm also a producer and writer and director. I've essentially been creating and performing in productions for many years And I was doing that professionally, but personally, most of those years I was experiencing infertility um, and I wasn't talking about it because nobody around me was talking about that. So clearly my husband and I were the only freaks of nature in the world going through this. So I wasn't going to share this with anyone. (laughs) So it's, you know, this already, you know, this vicious cycle of no one talks about it. So no one thinks, you know, so they all feel alone and then no one talks, but that's how we were. And, um, I made my husband not talk about it either because I just didn't want people to misunderstand or pity us, or I don't know what it was. You know, I just didn't want to, I guess, deal with it either. I, you know, so that's what we were going through. And just a few years ago, um, and we, we've been doing, you know, this is unexplained infertility, which is like the best kind <laughs> <laughs> because you don't, it's not the best, but you have no clue why it's happening. It's super frustrating. So, we've gone through unexplained infertility and unexplained secondary infertility. And I guess I should have preempted this whole conversation for listeners who may not know, who luckily may not know, but infertility is basically the uh, situation where you're unable to procreate um so yeah it's interesting yeah. sorry i'm gonna interrupt
0: for a second there i think it's two women talking together i just yeah i took that leap too of, oh everybody knows what we're talking about
1: right i'm i'm so happy if there are if there are listeners who don't know <laughs> what this <laughs> is actually i'm happy for them but yeah um uh so that's what infertility is and unexplained infertility is an actual medical term <laughs> for when there is no reasoning for <laughs> infertility as i say all the machines are working, but for some reason, um, there's no procreation happening. So yeah, that's very frustrati- frustrating. But uh, yeah, so we've gone through unexplained infertility and then unexplained secondary infertility, which is, uh, you know, problems having uh, additional children, second children. So um, that was happening for years. And just a few years ago, my husband and I had gone through yet another miscarriage. And this one was kind of like a more emotional, massive one in particular. And I guess for some reason after that, I kind of something just clicked and I was kind of ready to talk about it. I felt like I I could talk about it with someone, but then I didn't know how. (laughs) And I was like, well, I could finally say something, but I don't know what exactly. How am I going to do that? And then I was in this space of like, well, now what? Um, And then it just clicked that I could just utilize my professional background because I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Theater. Comedy, I could do that 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 language I can speak, you know, so um, I just literally created a group text on my phone with some close friends and invited them over to my house. I called it like hormones and Cookies or something, and I said, Come over you know on this and this day at this time, and I didn't say much else, and they're they're you know this group of amazing ladies and they're so supportive, and they also knew you know all the crazy like shows and stuff that I do, so they were like you know, indulging. They said, sure, yeah, you know, we'll show up. And And so I had them in my living room and I was basically telling them everything that I had been going through for the past few years, but I didn't tell them like in story form. I told them uh, like with, you know, silly characters and funny songs and all these weird props. And, and it, was, it was funny also. And, you know, when it was done, I said, okay, that's it. I got it you know, out. And now we don't ever have to mention it again. <laughs> and I literally, you know, I, I, that's what I thought. I went to the door when I was done. I said, thank you. I went to the door, opened the door and just expected them to file out. And, you know, we'd never have to touch it again, but they wouldn't leave. And <laughs> they just, like things started to come up, like it, you know, it, it brought up all these kind of similar situations that they had experienced and they were talking about it. And all of a sudden I found myself kind of like, looking at it from the side going, wait a minute there, here we are a group of women that, you know, we're supposedly close friends and we didn't really know all these little details about all these experiences. Like that's weird. I, you know, and, and I immediately thought there must be other groups of women doing that, you know, like, and then I, it was kind of like this situation where I was like, Oh, so people don't really talk about all these things for real. Like it wasn't just me. And it wasn't just people around me. And that was it. I I really thought it was going to be like that, just that, just like a way for me to kind of, you know, get out my, you know, my experiences and have them kind of understand why maybe I was a bit more, uh, you know, I didn't really hang out with them some nights and I didn't, you know, and I was kind of uh, withdrawn or maybe I was kind of emotional. Like I was like, okay, maybe now they understand and that's it. Now we can move on. But they were like, Oh, you have to turn this into one of your shows. And, I said, yeah, that's cool. Cause you know, you're my friend, but what stranger is going to want to come see some person they don't know on stage talking about her vagina and reproductive issues? <laughs> like who's going to want to pay a ticket for that? And they were like, no, 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 you have to do it. And so I said, you know what? Okay. I'll take it as a professional challenge. And, uh, because that would, that was my first solo show too. That, w- that would have been the first time I, I would be on stage by myself for the whole time. And, so it was like this very big professional challenge and that's how it ended up turning into the show. And from that, it just took off because the response was just, you know, much bigger than I expected. And and so there was demand for more shows and that's how, that's how it
0: started. Oh, well, We started by saying that it could fall flat and you added yeah. offensive, but probably because it is your experience you know it's not like someone else is mocking the situation right. or has no idea what it really really feels like you right. you've lived this you've you've walked this walk so
1: no for sure it's just that you know uh usually if strangers find out about a show it's from maybe looking at a poster or seeing you know some sort of ad it's very hard to fit in no it's really a true story it's really it really how ha- it's not offensive <laughs> you know it's really hard to fit all that in so you never know like someone could just see this you know, title and be like a comedy about infertility that doesn't work. I don't want to see that. You know, like I just didn't know how that even would be received. So, seeing that it was, first of all, people got there and they were willing to watch, then it was, you know, it was it's was great.
0: Yeah, just to back up the bus a wee bit um, in the intro, I suggested that or questioned, I guess, whether it's is infertility more common these days or. Are people just starting to talk about it a little bit more? Like in my generation, I couldn't tell you if any of my friends couldn't have children or didn't have children. It was just, you know, anything to do with reproduction just wasn't discussed until, and, you know, our pregnancy clothes, our maternity clothes were all big baggy things, so it was something to hide. (laughs) Right.
1: I don't know to tell you um, because I don't think medicine was where it is today back then. Um, you know, back then, I mean, anytime in the past, no, anytime in the past, anytime throughout history, I, you know, I, I wouldn't know to tell you because, you know, medicine wasn't where it is today. And also, uh, you know, statistical data wasn't where it is today. And even today, uh, you know, the statistics are in, in most modern countries, it's one out of every. Uh, five or six in the US, it's one out of every eight couples trying to conceive or having uh, difficulty. Uh, But again, that's the collected statistics. That's from people who are willing to say that they are having issues. What about all the people that haven't found out or haven't tried or haven't, you know, said that they're having? So it's not an exact science. um, And I don't know if there if there's more now, but I would be willing to bet that there There are more cases now only because modern life is, is so much more, you know, it has so much more an effect on our bodies now, whether we want to or not, you know, um, environment stress, uh, you know, all all these things I'm sure feeds into, uh, you know, fertility issues. So I'm, I'm guessing nowadays, there are more cases, Uh, but I don't think, I think people are starting to talk about it, but not as much um as
0: they should I think yeah I I appreciate you saying that because it was about five years ago that my son who's in his mid-30s his friends he's still single not interested in reproducing as far as I know um but some of his friends I take it were experiencing infertility and he asked me as the next the next older generation you know like do you think there's a reason why is it more common, and and I had given him a, a similar answer of, there's far more pressures I think on young people nowadays, um, and most couples have to be double income, um, so you really try to schedule the family, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it's a necessity of life in many way in many areas, and so just all those extra pressures might. Sure, contribute.
1: and I mean, and that's just you know some of the pressures. There, there's a lot I think nowadays. Everyone's living in a in a much more pressure situation than mm-hmm. than people were. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in the past two years. It's you know the past two years have been insane, and and it, it wasn't any easier before that. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, like I said, environmental issues. Uh, you know, social pressure. Uh, you know, personal stress, there's a lot going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the last two years, I know, like when I see young pregnant women, say two years ago or a year and a half ago, and I'd say like, Oh, you know, like, is this the time to be ha-? like, I'd be so nervous myself about having a baby in the midst of COVID. You know, you might have just a a healthy genius child. And then if you've got anybody with a, a slightly weakened immune system, you know, you're so scared to bits and you don't know. So
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's all, you know, this big unknown, but yeah, in general, I think, uh, you know, with, with fertility and also fertility involves a lot of things that are dependent on what's going on in your body way before you start to try. So, um, and people don't take that into consideration because they never did. And no one ever said, you know, like, it's just like, people used to smoke when they were pregnant and until they found out that they shouldn't. And, you know, it's, so it's things like that. Like a lot of things that we do while we grow up are, are affecting, uh, you know, later on uh, what we're trying to achieve. And it's, um, it's much more uh, complicated.
0: Okay. Inconceivable. The totally true one woman, semi-fertile quasi musical.
1: (laughs) Yes. Explain. It rolls off your tongue. <laughs> no, I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It, it was purposely titled that way, also because I mean, you know, for short, I refer to it as inconceivable. But on purpose, I did this silly-sounding, very long thing that's not quite clear, but is and tells what it is, but doesn't. Uh, Because that's infertility. That's like, it's basically parallel to what's, you know, going on. So it's kind of, you know, that, but yeah, that's, that's the name of the show. And it's in short, a biographical comedy about infertility.
0: One question that I was, that came into my mind a few minutes ago is, do you ever have people, probably women come prepared to be PO'd and ream you out and leave laughing.
1: Yeah. I've had so many different kinds of audiences, even people that had no clue what the show was about. They were either dragged there by a partner or they just said, okay, comedy show, but they (laughs) they didn't know exactly. (laughs) So, and I love that. Like I love people who are not really prepared uh, because people who have some sort of connection to infertility, many of them don't, as quickly show up to this show Um, because for those who've experienced infertility, I know I get that. Uh, A a lot of people I think fear they would be triggered maybe in a bad way at the show, even if it's a comedy Um, and don't want to go through that again. Um, So, so they opt, you know, they prefer not to come, but a lot of people, even though they think they'll be triggered, and even though they are triggered at the show, they're also, you know, triggered the other way. They also laugh and it's kind of, it's, you know, it's become this kind of weird uh, therapy session, <laughs> this show. I can see that. In a that. way, yeah. Um, but yeah, those people that don't expect what the, sh- you know, that don't know what it is or, or have no expectations or have different expectations, um, it's awesome. They, they're they like, whoa, <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> first of all, they're kind of educated on what this all is, you know, what it what it means. And like, you know, you were saying that, you know, people talk about it more, people talk about it. Um, Yes, there, there is generally more mention of this thing called infertility. There are many more kind of like buzzwords that people know now IVF, infertility, surrogacy, things like that they hear, you know, being like floated around, but they don't really understand what that means to people on a day to day basis on an hour to hour basis. It's it's this it's this insane thing that's very hard to explain also even in a conversation or a picture or whatever. So I think when they, you know, when people come to the show, because it's a comedy, it's this like you know, safe space to kind of figure things out about what this all is. And, and, you know, it's okay to laugh and it's okay to cry and it's okay to be, to be surprised. And, um, and, and it's part of like that great power of theater that I love. It's like these magic moments that kind of let you understand things, you know? So, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and as you mentioned hesitancy, I realize that I have listened to comedy shows and I go like, that's funny you know, like, it's just not my type of humor in the least. Right. Um, but I mean, do you have any idea how many times people have left your show, and it's just opened it up? It's made it okay to talk about it for themselves?
1: Yeah, like, um, I mean, in that I, yeah, I can only I can only, you know, attest to, to what I know. And what I yeah. know is what people come up to me to, to say, because right. usually, after every show, I hang out somewhere or yeah. I love talking to audiences and, and a lot come up to me and, and say, you know, things like, thank you so much for doing this. This is my story or, oh my God, this is what our daughter's going through. And we had no clue or, you know, like things like that, like, you know, that they never understood. I have men that, you know, that say, you know, my wife and I were going through this and I didn't really think about that. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. think about that or we didn't talk about that or, you know, it's these, it's these instances that are really insane, but it's, but it's, I love it. And I also have this, um, ever since the premiere show, I have this sort of guest book uh, that I take with me, obviously to the in-person shows, because during the pandemic, I had uh, a few virtual, so I couldn't do that. But um, I, I take that, I leave it out, you know, available for audiences and they like jot down their thoughts or whatever anonymously or not. And that's like the first thing I do after a show as I look through and because I, I, I love to just see what what people are, what, what it does to people. And, and most of the feedback is, is that it's either they realize something about, you know, their own stuff that they haven't dealt with, or they realize that everyone has stuff to deal with, and, which is great. So,
0: okay, so you talked about the woman who didn't know what her daughter was going through. Um, most boomer women come from a time when reproduction was not discussed openly. Obviously, your use of humor helps. Um, but here's a question about the generational divide. I know there's many boomer women who nag with the, when are you going to give me a grandchild? Or when are you two going to have kids? Those are awkward, invasive questions at any point in time, but probably even more invasive, hurtful, even when infertility is a reality. What do you want those boomer women to think about?
1: I think because I I feel that I now have the ability to, to, to understand and see from the side, I understand that those comments and questions come from a genuine, deep sense of love and good intention, of course, but it clearly comes off not. <laughs> and, and so it's not that, you know, uh, but, and so the, essentially what happens in real time is is the words that are heard. So I would generally say as much as you want the answers or whatever that is, you know, those questions and are, are just, very so hurtful it would be best to not ask them but if you suspect that I don't know time has gone by and you feel that nothing is happening according to what you think should happen and you want to know um I don't know if you know you want to it depends on you know people's relationships but I think it's best to just offer support and by support I mean just offer you know just be like Hey, you know, I'm here if you need to talk and not, and not as a person to offer advice in a sense, just to be a listening board, because a lot of people, that's all they need. They just, you know, they just need you to know, they need to know that you're there just to listen, hug, be, you know, and, and that in itself is a lot, um, and much more supportive and helpful than, you know, um, than constantly asking, because again, you're asking maybe once a week or whenever you meet up, but they're dealing with this every single moment. And, you know, so yeah, those questions are not only hurtful, it's just, it's even more pressure and it kind of counter it's counterintuitive to what you actually want. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a very uh, difficult situation. And also I think nowadays it's different. It's not necessarily um, you know, Infertility. There are a lot of people that are waiting, um, you know, till for various things, which is, you know, has its own biological impact. But, um, yeah, it's just I think that that you stereotypical when are you giving me grandkids question is going to have to be <laughs> put aside because it's yeah, it's it's not helpful for for a lot of people. And, and I've had them too, of course, and I, I would just kind of meander around that answer. But yeah.
0: So I mean, there's so many reasons why a woman wants to be a grandmother, right. you know, whether it's carrying on the genes or the family name, or, you know, coddling their baby's baby, and <laughs> their children's yeah. baby. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's to keep up with their friends grandchild count unfortunately, but what I'm hearing you say perhaps is instead of, you know, when are you going to give me kids? You know, especially if you've been that person listeners in the past to maybe broach it to the son or daughter, whoever, and say, I know I've nagged you about this in the past and perhaps it's been insensitive like so many other choices in life, whatever you choose to do. I, I, appreciate hearing. I support you no matter what it is, but I promise also to try and drop the subject. <laughs> you yeah. Know, just be and more and sensitive. even
1: just offering support, just being there. Like if, if, if this, if this said listener, <laughs> let's say yeah, yeah. is able to offer support like unconditional support, even if you won't get all the information in mm-hmm. return, it means so much because you know, at the end of the day, if there are, um, you know, people going through infertility in, in these listeners' lives, if they're going through infertility and they're going through, uh, I don't know, all that entails with testing and treatments and whatever, that support system, even of someone just being there offering like, hey, let's, you know, I'll bring you some coffee or food, or you want to take a nap while well, I, you know, do some, you know, fold your laundry. I don't know all these little things that are just even just being there and, and just be like, you know, I'm here going with them somewhere, sitting with them somewhere because it, it means so much. And at the end of the day, I think a lot, it, a lot of people really get, they can get a lot of support just by the proximity and just by knowing that someone has their back especially if it's a parent or, you know, family member. So.
0: I think too, there's so many people of any generation who just say, I don't want to have kids. True. And you know, like parents have got to accept that too. Perhaps that's um, no, I was going to say perhaps that's easier to communicate, but sometimes I'm sure it's not.
1: No, of course. It's easier to say than, than to do, but it is a fact, Um, you know, there, uh, what, what, we're talking about nowadays is that not only are there so many paths to parenthood and those paths to parenthood are definitely not linear, but they're also choices of not, you know, going to parenthood and being, you know, they call it childless, but I, I don't like that term. It sounds so like weird, but um, you know, opting to not be parents and that's, you know, that's a choice that is fine. No one owes anyone children. (laughs) Like no one owes that to anyone. And, you know, having children for the sake of having them or having them to please, you know, someone's demands is obviously also not great option. So yeah, I think people have to understand that. uh, Just like, just like even, you know, finding a partner and whoever that partner may be, as long as they're, you know, the people are happy together, or not, or if they don't want to partner, you know, as long as they're happy and healthy and okay. And, you know, that's, that's all. So anything else is just, you know, additional spices of interest. (laughs) But, you know, but it's not, it's not the the core. The core is just like, okay, are you good? You're good. You know, that's, that's what we really want. So.
0: I saw in your bio that you live in two countries so i guess first of all may i ask which two countries and then do you see differences and or similarities in how those two countries approach the topics that you cover in your shows
1: yeah so well currently i'm living in one country <laughs> but, yeah um i i i have meandered around uh, not all the world but yeah when i grew up in the us i grew up in in atlanta and I also lived in in other states, but um, I grew up in Atlanta. I lived in Israel for many years. And uh, then during the pandemic, uh, my family and I moved again to the, well, not again, but for me, it was again, moved to the U.S. And yeah, and now we're also in the U.S. But yeah, it's interesting to live in different places because you get to see you get to, to really see different people and how we're so different and how we're so the same, you know, equally. Um, and I love that. It's very interesting. And I myself don't even like, I I don't really know if I'm, you know, more American, more Israeli, half, 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 you know, I, I don't even know anymore. Cause I feel like kind of both. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, people, you know, how they, how they react to things, how they deal with stuff, how they do. And yeah, there are some differences, um, even with regarding infertility, but there are also some, a lot of similarities. Um, you know, just like there are people experiencing infertility that happens everywhere. Um, treatments, same pretty much. Um, the, the nagging of (laughs) family members for grandchildren, Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's happening. So yeah, it's, um, it's interesting.
0: Have you done Inconceivable in Israel?
1: Yeah, I actually premiered it there. Um, yeah. And, um, and then from there it just took off. Then I took it to the U S and then it was, I was already scheduled for this whole kind of U S tour, um, And the first show was in March, 2020, when everything got shut down. And so So. the whole tour got shut down. And then that was just like, whoa, what's happening? And I kind of did a switch to virtual, but obviously it's not the same thing as an in-person performance. Um, And yeah, so now it's kind of like, it seems like somewhat people are a bit more comfortable to, you know, get together and we kind of, we can and somewhat. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully getting back to that.
0: Well, I find it interesting because it was many years ago now that I was in a small local grocery store that is primarily of another culture. And these two couples went by, and by their body language, I knew exactly what the conversation was, although I couldn't understand a word. Um, and they were, four of them burst into laughter and realizing that that humor is universal and even the same humor in many, in many times is the same, no matter what, you know? So it was really, cause you sort of think that, you know, your own culture ha- oh, yeah. has the monopoly on any certain type of humor and, you know, maybe another culture has a different type of humor, but no, you know, it's all the same. Right?
1: I mean, there are, you know, some nuanced uh, culture related jokes um, that maybe some people won't get, but humor in general, laughter in general, music, that all those things, those are things that are universal and, and, and love, you know, those are things that, are, and, and it's great. It's great that the basic things that we need in life are universal and can be understood in any language because that's really what we need. Right. So that's, I, I love that that translates and experiences, yeah. like you said, I've had too, and it's, it's so cool to see. Yeah, that's
0: great. Just go back to Inconceivable for a second. On Podmatch, you said, the people who are in infertility can't really explain it, and those who are outside infertility can't really understand it. Inconceivable is there to help bridge that gap with some laughs along the way. I think you've explained that to a certain point. Can you expand on that? Or
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, like I said, even though people may understand bits of things. They don't really, um, understand to what extent and what that really means. When someone tells you, oh, you know, so-and-so is experiencing infertility or, you know, she hasn't, you know, she's trying, (laughs) you know, things like that. You just go, oh, you know, it's like, I know now something, but you don't really know what that means. You don't know that this girl is going through, you know, she's poking herself in the stomach with needles all the time and she's crying and laughing and, and stressed and screaming on a minute to minute basis and you know you don't know that she's trying to hide it all while she's at work every day you, you know all these things um that you don't really know what that w- what it means that's kind of like the outsiders of infertility that don't really understand what does it mean to to not be able to do what you've always been told is gonna happen like you know we've yeah. been kind of you know, bred and raised to understand that if you just walk across the street from the opposite sex, you're going to get pregnant. So like, you know, and it doesn't happen. It's like, what? Like you've been taught to avoid this thing, you know, all this time. And now, you know, what? One plus one is not? Like what? That's not happening? Like, it's just this whole like mind game also in a way. It's, It's crazy. So I think understanding that and kind of, you know, understanding what we've been conditioned to to know that we don't know. It's not correct. And we don't know all we were supposed to know. Um, you know, so these things, I think having men and women at the show is great because men don't always understand what goes on with women, not just in their minds. And, you know, these crazy thought processes that we're all we often claim to have, but also, you know, our bodies, like we got a lot going on, you know, and also men, uh, dealing with infertility, it's also not talked about. And that's also something and couples, these two, you know, two people are together, living together, going through this together and not experiencing the same thing, um, which is also, you know, this whole, you know, mind blowing thing. And for those who are inside infertility, they understand everything I just said. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. I get. That, but aren't able to talk about it, which is kind of where I was, um, for, you know, many years I was, you know, going through this and I, I didn't know. It was like you're kind of like, you know, when you're stuck in a well but you don't know what you're supposed to do to get out. Like, you, you know, it's you can't really explain what's happening.
0: Once again, <laughs> you're you're doing a really good job because as you were speaking, I'm thinking I know what all those words mean. I understand what they mean. Yeah. But all of the emotion and, you know, whether it's physical pain, mental pain, whatever that's going on inside of you, I can imagine maybe, but, you know, unless we sit down and have a real heart to heart, I don't really get it. So.
1: Right. And I think the the main thing that, you know, and, and also like, I, I think that because the show is, uh, I, and again, it's surprising that it's, that it's comedic and maybe offensive to people, but, but it does, it does make sense when you watch it. But I think it does offer this kind of like validation of, um, you know, for, for audience members who've gone through it, it's kind of like, hey, you're not alone. And for those who have not gone through it, it's like, hey, it's okay to laugh about this. This is what actually happens. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's so surreal. It's ridiculously funny. Like, it's, you know, that's how this works. So, yeah, it's.
0: Is there an element of when they, they see you having experienced Many of the same things that they're experiencing, you're. I, I don't want to make light of your.
1: No, no. Personal it's totally journey. Fun. Go ahead. But,
0: <laughs> but you, in many ways, you've come out the other side. You're able to look back and find humor in it. So it's almost like she survived it. I, I will too. You know, yeah. even though, and I'm, as I say, I don't want to make light of your ongoing no, no, situation. of course, but.
1: of course. And it's it's also this, like you know. I mean, and it's funny that you say that. It's not that I'm out of it. Like even when I was doing the first show, which is, you know, this time not, it's not just a little get together with my friends. I'm actually performing and I'm not like my other usual shows. I'm not a different fictitious character. I'm myself for most of the show. I do also characters, but I'm myself. I'm I'm literally revealing my, my innermost raw stuff in front of these strangers. I don't have to do this. Like, you know, there's like a moment before each show where I'm like, do I really need to do this? I don't really, you know, it's like, so, and and I'm a very kind of private person. So this is like really strange. And really out of my comfort zone. But then I'm like, okay, well, I'm already here. They're already here. Let's go. <laughs> like, so I go out and I do the show. And then it's just that, you know, that first laugh, that first thing, the show goes on. And and when it's over and I have some people like after the show come up to me, even if it's one person that says, you know, it did something for them, it helped them in some way, that's everything. That's like, that's like such purpose. Cause I'm like, okay, I, I got to do it again. I got to do even one other person. So it's just, if it's helpful for one person in any way, it's an entire world. So like, that's why I, I feel that I need to keep going uh, with this show and and just have more people see it because I think it's helpful. And not only for infertility, I think it's a great way to kind of show people, um, you know what? Everyone's got a lot of baggage. <laughs> Let's, you know, it's different kinds of baggage. And I talk about it in the show too. Let's be a bit more, you know, mindful and patient and, you know, tolerant of each other because everyone's going through a lot of stuff. Well,
0: and perhaps, too, I mean, how many norms do we carry through our lives and inflict on other people? Yeah. uh, You know, and really sit back and say, okay, at some point in time, this has got to quit being about me. And really be aware of other people, and they may be going through the same thing, they may not be going through the same thing, and whatever it is, it's, I don't, once again don't want to sound overly light, but it's all okay, and you just accept yeah. them for what's going on.
1: Yeah, Right, right, and that's what it is, is just, you know, let's all just be aware and okay with the fact that we're all going through stuff, and it's um, okay, let's just, you know, be Okay with that and nice to each other. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Capital N.
1: Yeah. Okay. Here's a good question for you. Explain interactive. Oh yeah. So we didn't talk about that, but the show is interactive. <laughs> <Yeah>. Also, <laughs> besides the fact that it has weird props and these, you know, it's I call it the the title when you see it in the text that there are quotation marks around musical because I'm not a singer, but yet I have these kind of musical numbers. So it's kind of like the the kind of rap and it's kind of like, it's kind of like infertility. It is kind of this, but not really. It is kind of that, but not so. And (laughs) so the interactive part. um, So there are interactive elements in the show. I have the audience help me with certain things. I get them to do certain stuff during the show. It's hard to explain now, but you don't want to give too much away either. Yeah, but it's it's also hard to explain, and I don't want to deter anyone from ever seeing the show because it's not forced. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not everyone must do it, but it's a, a really fun way to kind of, you know, also be part of the show as it's going on. Um, it's just, a, you know, in, interweave throughout the show. It's not the whole time, um, but it's a nice, it's a fun little aspect, and it's also part of the whole concept because infertility does involve everyone, even though you don't think, you know, like everything affects everything um, and everything is part of everything. And we're all connected in, in a way. So that's kind of how that works, too.
0: That's great. You got me really curious now. <laughs> OK, uh, just before we wrap, our audience is primarily boomer women. Any other words, last words for them?
1: Um, to be continued. <laughs> oh <laughs> um yeah I think uh I mean or I think, not
0: yeah it no. Not I not think... be continued grandma <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that um and it's funny that you're saying boomer because I I personally despise that nickname that people came up with because it sounds kind of like rude to say to someone uh, boomer, no you know but...
0: what's rude is okay boomer Right. But no, my company name is Boom with a Bang because we're booming with a bang.
1: <laughs> yes. And also boomers, I think, you know, I, I get that it originally came from, you know, baby boomers, but it also by default creates this entire shift in then generational, <laughs> you know, like this whole gap because yeah, this whole baby situation was totally different back then. So I think that's, you know, that's what I, I, I'd want to say is just to kind of think, First of all, step back and look, try to get a different perspective because every time you, you know, it's like when people say put yourself in other people's shoes or look at a different perspective or zoom out, whatever you want to call it, um, it'll just give you a, a kind of, you know, chance to see things differently because not everyone has the same eyeballs, in the same eye sockets, in the same head, in the same angle, in the same place. So, you know, things are going to be different and it's okay. And you just have to kind of understand that, again, everyone has their issues and different ways of dealing and looking at things.
0: I suppose, too, in some ways, as we love our children to bits, to the point where we say, when are you going to give me a grandchild? Imagine if we had been totally unable to have that child you know that might be sort of the- yeah
1: and we're told that by by your own parents and and of course that's if you know if you were if you were going through something like if you look back at the time when you were having kids if there was so much pressure then and if you if you were just unable to and you didn't know why or you did but like you didn't want other people to know why or you want you know mm. just you know again putting yourself in a different perspective will maybe help pause and maybe kind of redirect that question to a statement of support, which is much more helpful, I think, uh, for, you know, in the long run and for everyone.
0: Okay. So how do we find your show?
1: Um, I think the easiest is, uh, finding me online. Um, and that's on my website, which is www.mayravzor.com. M E I R A V Z U R.com. And there you can find a lot of other silly things I've done, but uh, you can look for Inconceivable and go there. And then everything on Inconceivable is there, all my social media and everything. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. And you spelled that really fast because you know how to spell your name. I do put links in the Yeah, show I
1: figured you put the <laughs> yeah. text. So, uh, yeah, look yeah. look at the text and see. But <laughs>
0: and, and you or play it
1: on- in very slow motion.
0: yeah right (laughs) now it's just easier to go to the show notes that's great um and you are on social then you said
1: yeah mostly i'm mostly active through the inconceivable social media that i've created it's focused mainly on that show and that's uh inconceivable show that's the handle on pretty much on most of an instagram facebook um clubhouse tiktok but on twitter it's inconceivable because (laughs) it was too long (laughs) so it's inconceivable sh but that's the only one everyone else's inconceivable show
0: and and don't put an i in there because it's not there's no ish about the inconceivable right. it's just inconceivable right. okay <laughs> right okay as i say the the links will all be in the show notes listeners if you have comments on today's show please talk to us if you if you're listening at twoboomerwomen.com scroll to the bottom of the page and leave comments there We can be found at Apple or Stitcher, and I think I finally caved and listed us on Amazon. Uh, Most places, a person would listen to podcasts. Feel free to leave comments there, and please leave stars and reviews. They help us grow. Before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button, and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. And share this episode with a few friends who, A, might be bugging their children about having kids, or B, are struggling with their own infertility and could use another view of it all if you want to be a guest on the podcast you know someone who would make a great guest uh, there's an application form at the website may rov Zuer, thank you so much for being my guest on two boomer women today and lightening up a subject that can be all over the emotional map for so many people
1: thank you so much for having me have a great rest of week